Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Cordell. You're listening to Steeler Nation. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your Steeler Nation podcast sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Stryker, and I'm pleased to introduce former NFL linebacker for the Ravens, Buccaneers, and Jets, former Super Bowl champion, Daniel Wilcox. Wilcox, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. I'm great, Stryker. I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Just so you know, I was a tight end, H-back, not a not a linebacker. My gosh. Here I am again. My, my, that's right, because you got you had touchdown. I was like, oh, yeah, you got touchdowns in those yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for correcting me, because I because uh, I need to be corrected at times. I know we've been rushing to really make this thing work today, and uh, we've been working under the gun and under a deadline, but I'm happy to have you on, and thanks for being on the show. Are you wearing your ring today at all? I'm not, man. I'm not actually, but I, I, I tell you what, man, you, calling me a linebacker is not a bad thing. That's a great <laughs> position to be called. And I've been called a linebacker multiple times in my life. Yeah. Plus I look like a linebacker more so than a tight end. Cause I'm more of a six, two, six, three guy versus a six, four, six, six guy, you know? And um, I, I actually played linebacker in high school and all that stuff as well. And since I was a special teams captain, obviously I can make tackles. Right. Led the right. team in tackles two years in a row in Baltimore. So I awesome. definitely could have played linebacker in the league if um if Rex Ryan would ever try to pull me over. And that's <laughs> and that's how you make the team too. Like everybody Absolutely. says, you make the team Absolutely. for special teams. You show you can go out there, work hard. You're going to stick to teams, and that's how you made your career. So I'm. I'm happy for that. And I've always considered tight end being the linebacker position of the offense anyway. So yeah. that's great to have you here. And uh, so whereabouts do you live in this great country of ours? Right now, I'm back home in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I finished up in Baltimore back in 2009. And we stayed in Baltimore for probably another four or five months and then decided to take the transition back to Atlanta. So we've been here since 2009, 2010. Uh, went back to college to finish up college back in 2011, I think. I think I graduated in two, no, it was 2010. I went back and coached football at App State for a little while and then finished up college and, and then moved right back to Atlanta. So I've been here ever since. Nice. Were you working the tight ends at Appalachian State? Wide receivers. Wide yeah. receiver. Awesome. That's awesome. that's where it all started for me. I was a wide receiver all through college. And then my last year I moved at tight end and that kind of got me to the NFL and, you know, the rest was history. So now let me ask you a quick question then on the coaching perspective, because mm-hmm. uh, I played wide receiver as well. Obviously not in college. I played it through high school. My college didn't have a team. Uh, okay. I only played flag then in college. But Gotcha. What I see, at least out of technique for t- between tight ends and wide receivers, it looks like tight ends coming into the league and and in uh, college in general generally have better hand placement technique than most wide receivers. Um, just out of the box, I don't know if it's because they're targeted more often or they have to be ready quicker coming off of a block to get their hands up quickly. Mm-hmm. But they always seem to have their thumbs together, fingers out, ha- hands in front of them, catching those balls in front of their body before securing it, whereas opposed to you know, wide receivers can get a little lazy with their body catches and that. So do you see that as something that is unique to tight ends, the way they're caught, how to t- caught to, to catch, taught to catch passes as opposed to teaching wide receivers? I, th- I think what you're referring to, Strike, is, um, is like in the tight end position, you almost got to beg for the ball. 
yeah. versus the receiver just gets the ball thrown to him automatically because he's out wide. That's what his name is. I guess they just like to throw the ball <laughs> to the receivers out wide. So yeah. a tight end actually turns around and has to show a target. So a lot oh. of times when you see him put his hand up, he's telling the, t- the quarterback, I'm open, my hands is ready, like get it to me right now. And um, and, and most of the time it's a zone thing. It's a zone read thing. And because, because you're so close to the quarterback, if you don't have your hands ready already, most of the time it'll hit you right in the face. Cause it's coming so fast, you know? So yeah. a lot of time it's like, show your hands when you're ready for it, just show your hands. You're so close. I throw it then, you know, versus receivers most of the time get thrown open, you know? So they, the ball is thrown before they even come out of the curl route, you know, cause they're running 12 yard routes. A lot of the tight end routes are like five or six yards right over the ball or, right. or five, six yard out routes or five, six yard pivot routes right. or option routes in that same area, just designated space. And most receiver routes, even a hitch route is thrown before the receiver stops. You know, the quarterback throws it to a spot at five to six yards, outside shoulder, inside shoulder for the receiver. And as soon as he put his feet in the ground and turn around, the ball is already in route on the way to the receiver. But the tight end usually has to give him that target so he knows that he's ready for the ball. So that's what you're seeing, Sprite. So essentially it's, it's the nature of the position having mm-hmm. the ball shown to the thrown to them in a much shorter area quickness to have to be ready faster, yeah. which leads to their technique. Essentially, to me, just watching it being better for their hands to most wide receivers I see have to learn that technique down the road. Right. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. No, uh, no, well, that's that a great was... question. Nobody's never asked me that question. Before. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were always taught hand technique, but not all wide mm-hmm. receivers are taught hand technique and how to catch passes. So that's something that I look right. for, especially when we're trying to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, wide receivers and how they're going to transition to the NFL and how quickly they're going to transition to the NFL strictly by their hand placement and how they catch the ball. So that's, that's just something that just fascinates me. So thank you for sharing that. No um, now we might as well talk about what we're here for. Let's talk about the game. Um, first thing that I noticed about the game is there's a bunch of injuries on both sides, obviously that could be uh, pivotal to this outcome. Number one being the elephant in the room, Lamar Jackson. Um it does not look like to me that he's coming back to hear anything differently. And if not, how do you expect this game to be run with uh, Huntley in there instead of Lamar? Well, I think we're blessed. You know, I think our, our, our player personnel department has just done a phenomenal job when it comes to recruiting as such as Pittsburgh, you know, usually the guy that backs up the starter is pretty, is a pretty decent guy. Right. We're blessed to have a Tyler Huntley backing up a guy like Lamar Jackson. He's almost the exact prototype of what Lamar is. Right. They're both, they're both South Florida guys. They both, you know, been in pro style offenses and, you know, run and shoot RPO style offenses since they was kids. They mm-hmm. played against each other in high school, both went to college and had great college careers. You know, of course, Lamar was the first round pick and then Huntley was an undrafted guy or early round pick. I think Lamar might've went second round or something like that. I can't remember. No, Lamar was first rounder. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Yep. My bad, Lamar. Don't know. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where when Tyler comes in, you don't, you don't fall off too much. You know, it's not like you got a pocket passer that comes in. You got another RPO style running on um, quarterback, running style quarterback that comes in to play right behind Lamar. So you don't have to change your offense at all. So the exact same offense and game plan you will put in with a Lamar Jackson, you will put in with a Tyler Huntley. And that's a blessing for the Baltimore Ravens offense. Nothing has to change across the board. The the key is still getting the ball to Mark, you know, Mark Andrews and then the receivers right. and then the running backs on check downs and stuff like that. So everything will be pretty much you know, designed the exact same as it was if Lamar Jackson was starting. So that's a blessing. Um, I, I also feel like a lot of times our offense isn't 100% wide open anyway. I don't know if you feel that, Strike, but I feel like there's some some times where we're just not 
we're not loose enough. You know, we're so tightly wound sometimes that we kind of stick with the same basic plays over and over and over and over again. And I think there's so much more that could be done with a guy like Lamar Jackson um, right. and Tyler Huntley at the helm. Well, well, definitely. I, I think yeah. that those two quarterbacks in general, like, like you're saying, they're not necessarily – the only difference between the two of them, in my opinion, I think they both can run the offense exactly the same way. That's the thing. You don't have to change your offense mm-hmm. when, when Huntley's in there as opposed to when Lamar's in there. The only difference is you just lose that home run play possibility right. every play that can happen. Every Lamar. single play. Yeah. Lamar can do it with his legs or his arm deep. I mean, yeah. and that's something that the Steelers always had to look out for. Um, but at least in my watching of the games, it looked like to me like Lamar is also more prone to hang on to the football to make that play down the field with the way the Steelers pass rush him, and he was more prone to taking sacks. So right. it wasn't out of the question for him to take mm-hmm. five, six sacks a game against us. But right. when we're going up against somebody like Huntley, I know he's going to be smarter about trying to make his reads and getting that ball out as quick as possible. So Absolutely. I I think that the sack numbers are going to come down. Um, and I, I also agree with you too, Wilcox. I, I think that our offense kind of suffers what the Ravens offense is suffering from this season. And that is kind of limiting the number of plays that they're running because it doesn't seem like the entire offense has been opened up yet. Pittsburgh, of course, because we yeah. have a rookie quarterback, he's learning the system. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get him integrated and he's getting better and better every week. And we're starting to throw more at him every week, but we still have a very limited playbook, but that, but for you to make that point too, is an interesting point because it is something that nobody's really touched base on as much this season, because we know Lamar Jackson, we know he's an MVP caliber quarterback going out there. He should be able to be to run any type of offense though. In my opinion, he is the epitome of, being able to quarterback this this RPO offense, which is just absolutely giving teams fits defensively. So I don't know why from a Ravens perspective, they have chosen to kind of like shrink the playbook a little bit. I don't know if it's yeah. because of the new wide receivers they brought in, if they're trying to just condense everything to make it a little easier for everybody um, so that they're kind of learning on the fly and can kind of expand as they go on. But I, I know at least with the quarterback getting hurt, I wouldn't be expecting that playbook to be opening up again this week. You know, I think the thing that, that gets me and that frustrates me because Lamar gets so much hate all around the world just because of the yeah. type of quarterback he is, right? You know, but one of the things, Stryker, that 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 blew me away about this kid was that he was a kid that actually was so smart in high school that he graduated early, you know? So he went into college already, you know, a sophomore type guy when he got to college, right? And he went to Louisville. He had great grades in high school, got to Louisville early. He won the Heisman in his second year in Louisville, he leaves his third year in, in Louisville. So he comes out to the NFL almost two years earlier than he was supposed to, really three wow. years earlier than he wow. was supposed to, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, right now he's 25 and he's still Gosh. one of the youngest starting quarterbacks in the NFL, if not the right. youngest. Right. And th- this is an interesting fact. Like right now, like the University of Georgia is balling right now. They've been balling the last two years. Their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, he's 25, so is Lamar. You know, wow. so wow. you think of, you think about that. You know what I mean? Like he's still a baby almost. And he's starting for you. Like most people graduate from high school, I mean, from high school at 18, 17, 18 years old. You know, he was already at Louisville at, at that age already at 17, you know. Yeah. So and then he he left Louisville. He was a true freshman starter, you know, one Heisman his sophomore year. Jeez. You know, junior year, he leaves yeah. early. So right. that's two more years of eligibility that he had in college that he decided to leave early and come out early. So he's right. in the NFL almost three years earlier than most quarterbacks are. And then wins the high wins the MVP in his second year in the NFL. Exactly. 
you know exactly. so he's yeah. such a dynamic guy why you would try to you know why you would hold him back i don't really understand like there's a progression every single year the thing that he's been blessed with so far is having the same offensive coordinator right i was in the nfl for eight seasons and every year i had a different oc wow. that's how crazy my career was right yeah He's yeah. been with, 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 with um, Roman ever since he got there, and mm. he's been progressively learning the same offense over and over again. You remember the year after the MVP year, you know, when he got hurt, he was so right. frustrated last mm. year because he was mad that he felt like they knew the plays, like they know our plays. The reason why somebody would know everything that you're going to call is because yeah. you're keeping it very generic, right? Yeah. You know, so if I'm running RPO to the right every time it's an inside zone or outside zone, they know what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. I have to you have to have three or four wrinkles off every run. You can't right. have the same thing and you got to put multiple runs in for him to be successful. Yeah. And I live in the Baltimore area. I watch a ton yeah. of Ravens games. I actually went to a couple last year, went to the Minnesota game and went to the Indy game last year yeah. um, where Lamar is down and out and losing those games they kind of get out of the playbook. It's just like, Lamar, you run it. And he shows what he can do. Yeah. He's in charge and he's running the play. He's an absolute winner when it comes Phenomenal. to that. Respect. And that Phenomenal. is something that I respect out of him being a division rival, knowing that my team puts together a defense just to stop him. Yeah. Like that's, that's how the Steelers build their team. We're not stopping our building our teams to stop Joe Burrow yet. We're not building right. our teams to stop Cleveland. We build our teams to stop Baltimore. And right. that's the same way built Baltimore builds their teams to stop Pittsburgh. You absolutely hundred percent right. We got <laughs> we got we got it. We know we gotta stop that horse. Y'all always got a freaking horse over there. So right. You right. know, we know we, we know. gotta be horse riders to stop yep. you guys. And we're gonna have strong defenses and we're gonna be mm. punishing each other when we play each other on game day, because that's just absolutely the way. And absolutely you know from playing in those games. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. My neck is a little shorter right now. It's Pittsburgh week, my neck start hurting all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> So I, I'm already thinking about those hits from James Farrier and oh, you know gosh. And, 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 and um and, and even and Harrison. In, yep. And then those in those Whew. you said you're playing a lot of special teams too. Like Harrison yeah. would not take himself off of special teams. Right. He yeah. he even when yeah, he was named a starter, he still wanted to go out there and hit people on special teams. That was and, that was his his normal natural grit. Like he's such a right. gritty guy. Yeah. Like he don't want to ever stop doing something that allow him to stay around, right? Right. Like this was a thing that got me there. I know how important it is now. I know how important the field position battle is. I want to go out here and punish people on this, and I'm still going to be a defensive starter. Like that's how dedicated I am to you guys. Come ride with me. That he's that type yeah, of guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Great call. Great yeah. call. Um, yeah. a couple more injuries I just wanted to touch base on. I know Ronnie Stanley's been uh, hurt the last couple games. Um, do you think he's going to be making it back for this game playing left tackle? Well, I, I know he got an ankle injury. And to me, when you, anytime you have the type of injuries that he's had over the last couple of years, there's always going to be some kind of overcompensation. Right. Right. And he, he's coming back and, you know, some muscle has developed more than the other muscles. And then you start to get all these little tweaks. And then been at that tackle spot, you always get flipped over somebody or tripped up by somebody or stepped on by somebody. And you get these type of injuries. I don't know if it's a high ankle sprain or if it's a low sprain. If it's a low sprain, it's a possibility that he may play through it. If it's a high sprain, you can hang it up. He'll be out for a oh, month, month yeah, or so. Yeah. You know, so it just I don't know how bad it is, but whatever it is, you know, that guy, you know you're gonna need him later on in, in, in these um these last couple of games. Mm -hmm. You know, so you give him as much rest as you possibly need. The same with Lamar Jackson, like you don't risk bringing him back out there and he's not 100% healthy with a sprained knee and you know yeah. how important his his ability to escape the pocket and and him being magical back there with his legs is to him. I don't yeah. think you put those guys in position to hurt themselves worse where you don't have them for the rest of the season. 
Oh, you're right. You're definitely right about that. Yeah. Even though, even though he's technically not playing on a contract for next year either, he he opted to yeah. not take a, or or just to hold out to get a new contract. He's playing on his final fifth year option, so now it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see how that goes. So it's going to work in his see, favor. Yeah, but it and it is still good to see that the team is taking care of his health as opposed to trying to throw him out there on the field, which we've seen teams like the Raiders do with players that yes. might be not having a contract season and putting their health at risk and putting them back out on the field just because like, Hey, we're not going to have next year. Yeah. Uh, might as well see, might as well get something out of him while he's still there. Washington does the same thing. I've seen them do it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately that happened to RG three as well on the, on the field there. You can, unfortunately you can call a lot of teams out about that, man. I'm yeah. telling you, it's all, it's going on all around the league. A lot of guys are playing hurt. You don't even know they hurt. You well, know, they're taking well, shots they, before the game. Yeah, you, you yeah. know that exactly. You were a player. You understand, yeah. but you also understand the difference between playing hurt and playing injured. So, like, yeah. you'll go out there if you're banged up and you know you can still run on it. You, you know you're still getting 85 to 95% on it. But, yeah. you know, when you're injured, injured, when that high ankle sprain hits you, you can't hobble around and play and run down the field like you used to. Scrike, I got some stories, bro. I can tell you. I'm talking about guys <laughs> playing hurt and injured the oh, whole wow. time. and. And wow. they do whatever they got to do to get on the field to play. And, you know, yeah. you know, back when I played, it wasn't even no such thing as concussions, right? Yeah. And that's crazy because that was only 13 years ago. You know, right. so as soon as, I, as soon as I retire, all of a sudden the concussion stuff hits and it starts and become right. this big ordeal. But we would yeah. play right through every concussion we got. Yeah. You know, we never stopped playing. And, um, you know, every time we got our bell rung, every time we can remember our name, every time we were trying to figure out where we was, right. we went right back on the field and played through that stuff. Wow. You know, so yeah. it, it's it's – I got some stories, man. I've seen my teammates take shot after shot after shot. You know, even my last year, you know, I played through a partially torn labrum, a partially wow. torn you know, um, bicep tendon in my left shoulder and arm. I mean, you play through injury because a lot of times we don't actually know what it is. You know, they told yeah. me I had a pinched nerve, right? Really? Yeah. So you they didn't you take an a, MRI for it or anything? We took or? MRIs. We took all that stuff. They told me it was a pinched nerve. I'm not a doctor. I can't read a freaking MRI. Okay. You know, I, I can look at an MRI and say that don't look right. You know, but right. I don't really know what the other shoulder look like if you unless you show me the other shoulder at the same time, right? Right, right, right. You know? True. So, so I mean, you look at this stuff. You know, like you may feel like something don't look right, but you're gonna listen to whatever the doctors tell you. And if they tell you you got a pinched nerve, then you got a pinched nerve. You know, so right. you're like, I'm not gonna let a pinched nerve stop me. Let me keep playing. You know, so you keep playing through something, and you can't even lift your arm. You know, oh. like past here, and you're not realizing that you're really doing more damage than than you are. You know, so you'll take a right. shot you get your shot in your shoulders or you feel better and you feel like you can move and then you go out there and play through it or you put it in the sling and you, you run through it and you just keep playing, man. And it's, it's guys right now that are hurt all over the field and they're player, they're injured and they shouldn't be out there on the field, but they're playing through it anyway. Wow. And that's, that's the way football brainwashes you. That's part of the game. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's, that's, that's a great perspective because I don't get that perspective. I wasn't on the football field. I mean, I just remember playing back in high school and getting my, mm-hmm. getting knocked out on a, on a, kick return because i used to do some kick and punt return and i got tackled once couldn't see out of the left side of my eye coach is like all right striker you're going in i'm like coach i can't see out of the left side of my eye he's yeah, like all right, right. Take a couple plays off that ain't right <laughs> that's what it was it's like all right then I went, tell me when you can see again yeah yeah sometimes you see like two or three like it's crazy right. like all right hit the one in the middle just hit the one in the middle you good <laughs> right that's how I mean, it goes like your helmet sometimes you hit somebody so hard and your helmet come down and it hits your eyes really bad yeah and you feel it, it dazed and your dizzy. nose too if it comes down hard yeah enough. it cuts yeah. your nose all the time you, you see a right. lot of guys with those cuts over their nose i've had it once yeah. or twice myself man but I, I had a, a knot I had to get removed from my forehead from just banging so much off the line of scrimmage with my helmet. Wow. You know, I had a knot that had don't grew up on my forehead and it was a yeah. cyst. 
So they had to cut my forehead open and scrape the cyst off my skull. Was it right there in the middle where that where that pad is? It's right. It's right. It was right here. You can still kind of see a rem, uh, yeah, uh, like remnants of it. It's like right here. I can still feel it a little bit. They right. Took most of it out, but it was right here. I had an air helmet, and the pad came right across my forehead. Right. You know, right across here, and came down the side. You know, and when I got, I got, I did, I guess I banged heads so much that it started to develop a knot from the pad, I guess, or from the button or something from the helmet. I don't know. And I ended up having to get my forehead cut open, sliced open to get the cyst removed. They actually had to scrape it off my skull. It was crazy. Wow. Well, I was, and I was awake for the surgery. So I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nobody's going to question your toughness here, Wilcox, man. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I appreciate it, Strike. I appreciate it. No worries, man. Um, Now, I wanted also to talk about Patrick Queen. I know he was taken off the field uh, last game. Uh, Looks like he's been limited this week. Is he going to be playing this week? No, I don't know if Patrick's going to play either. You know, the good thing is we got Raekwon Smith, you know, so he, he Patrick Queen has always been our signal caller and our play caller in the middle. So he's a, he's kind of the, the quarterback on the defensive side of the field, you right. know, so he's a guy that we, we, we need to be out there and we love to have him out there. He's such a dynamic part of our defense. You know, having him and Roquan side by side makes us almost impenetrable in the middle of the field, Right. you know, right. so not having Patrick Queen is definitely going to be a problem for us if he does not play. He has yeah. a thigh. He has a thigh injury. He's dealing with probably a thigh bruise or something like that. If it's a deep bone bruise, then most likely he's gonna sit it out. If it's a tissue thing or a muscle related thing, if he could push through it, I guarantee you he's gonna push through it and play. He'll wrap that thing up so tight that it won't hurt as bad, and he'll go out there and run sideline to sideline as fast as he can. Nice. And let's talk about Roquan a little bit. How much has this defense changed since they picked him up from the Bears? Um, not much. You know, I think the the thing that he brings is the intensity, right? You know, we were missing a little bit of intensity. We missing that go-getter to have that guy that wanted to make every tackle. And I, I just told this story last week. I remember my rookie year when I was with the Jets, the first game we played in New York after I made the team was at home. And I remember I was on a, I was a, on a practice squad the very first week, and we played the Baltimore Ravens in, in New York. And I remember watching Ray Lewis yeah. like, make like <laughs> right. the first 15 tackles of the game. And that's what Roquan Smith brings. You know, he brings that guy that's going to be consistently on every single tackle. Mm. So if I'm standing beside this guy, I'm like, dang, he's on another one. Dang, he's on another one. And I'm watching him in practice, and I'm like, you know what? I can do that. I'm going to get better. So he's going to make everybody better around you. And I think that's what Roquan brings to this team. He brings that consistency of, all right, I got to make every tackle. I'm going to go make every tackle. I just came off a national championship team. I learned right. how important making every tackle was. Sideline to sideline, everything everything is mine. I'm eating everything. You make them cut back, I'm hitting them every single time. And I think that's the that's the consistency that we was missing in the middle of the field. And now that he's there, I think he elevated Patrick Queen's play and he elevated the other guy's play. You know, Houston's having, nice. having a heck of a year already for us. Right. And, you know, we right. went and got Jason Pierre-Paul off the couch. He was Netflixing and chilling right. with his girl. And now he's a Baltimore <laughs> Raven, baby. So I think at the end of the day, I mean, we're going we gonna to shake some things up by the, by the end of the season. I'm just still waiting um, strike for the CR defense play Raven defense. We right. haven't had a good game yet this season where we just really just yeah. shut people down and close people out the right way. Exactly. And that's something that's been really uh, counterintuitive for mm-hmm. people that follow the Ravens, Steelers fans, right. of course, no Ravens fans. Their defense is built to kill you once they have the lead. Done. Absolutely. Pin our ears about, back and here we come. Right. 
it's done. And they're going to just be destroying the offense in the last two minutes of the game. But we've seen like in the Jets game this year when they were up by two touchdowns uh, and, a, and a couple of times where they were up late in games by multiple scores and just ended up. The Dolphins game. Yep. Right off yeah, that, oh gosh well two was insane too but, but man, absolutely he ridiculous, on a clinic bro. that game he did i mean it's just something you you know football games sometimes just come yeah. down to one guy just takes the game over and two absolutely yeah. took that game over but still in a situation where the ravens were up significantly i think it's like 17 points late in that game yeah um yeah. that they ended yeah. up um that two ended up coming back but that is just something that you never saw See. Out of the Ravens defense ever, too. And, and Ray Lewis, too. I mean, even hearkening back to his days, yeah. to my opinion, I think he was the best linebacker at reading the offensive play that I've ever seen. Reading and diagnosing plays at the line of scrimmage as the ball is snapped. He that's why he made so many tackles. And, and, and if, like if it was ever in a situation like that in Baltimore, Ray would have went off on every freaking body. He would, you know, right. it would have been, you know, right. I think they kind of they was kind of they kind of missing that a little bit too, like that male dominant figure. That would come in and a player, another grown ass man that will hold you accountable, right? Right. And you know, we got a young DC, you know, Mike McDonald, you know, he, he was at Michigan last year. Before that, mm-hmm. he was a Ravens linebacker coach for multiple years. And he left the Ravens to go to Michigan, got the DC job at Michigan, balled out there, and then now he's back with the Ravens as a rookie defensive coordinator. Wow. Never been a DC in the NFL before. And you saw that Dolphins game. It was so much miscommunication going on in the backfield with, with a right. rookie safety and a, and a new safety we brought in from the Saints with Marcus yep. Williams. And it was just so much miscommunication back there. And everybody back there, like, scratching their head, like, bro, you, you know, he called this. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed and – and, you know, it ain't like people are pointing the fingers at each other, but you're looking at those situations and you're trying to figure out, you know, if – you know, most of this stuff is coaching. Yeah, you know, most of this stuff is coaching. There's no way guys are on the field not knowing what they're supposed to do. Maybe the plays are coming in late. Maybe they're not getting them in on time. Maybe they're not calling the right defenses at the right time. You just saw last night the Raiders lost by calling a horrible defense. Like right. at the end of the game, man. Why would you go to cover one? You calling cover one with 15 <laughs> seconds left on the clock? You know what I'm saying? It, it, like it was who it was does like that? Uh, uh, the Denver Broncos in the playoffs against the Ravens on that on that yeah. bomb play that Flacco Jacoby, had to get yeah, Jacoby Jones Bowl. caught the catch. Yeah, right. Stupid. It's like, why would you do that at that? How point would you the let game? the guy get behind you at this point in time of the game? <laughs> right, right. And it's right. just you know, it's so that's to me that's the kind of stuff that's been going on with Baltimore. Like we've in the fourth quarter, the four games we've lost in the fourth quarter, we've given up five hundred and forty some yards. Wow. Now, now a lot of that, now a lot of that strike is like um is is defensive play calling. You're up. You're up, so you're in prevent type defense. So in right. prevent, you go to quarters, you go to cover four, you go to cover right. six, quarter, quarter halves. You're playing two yep. on one side, quarters on the other side. And then what you're doing is trying to keep everything in front of you, right? Yes. And you give them everything. on. You basically say, all right, we're going to give you all the short stuff. But we're right. giving up 20, 30 yards of pop instead right. of giving up the little short underneath stuff, right? Right. And it's like you, you see them give those up. They got to come up and make the tackle if you're going to do that. And then we'll miss a tackle or two and – Next thing you got, the guy's off of the races for 30, 40, 60, 70 yards sometimes. Right. And it's absolutely ridiculous, man. It's, it's just not Baltimore Raven football. I can remember being in games like that. We're up in, 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 the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's, it's getting close, but I already know Reed about to make a play. You know, right. I already know Chris McAllister going to make a play. Samari yep. Lowe going to make a play. Yep. Um, Terrell Suggs going to get a sack, fumble, script fumble. Haloti right. Nada about to smack somebody not, and make him cough Nada's going to break somebody's nose. Here he yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Ray Lewis going to break a collarbone or two. Hey, right. him in the hall. No, yeah, <laughs> no, no. That That is – Wilcox, that is a crazy injury. Here's, yeah, here's what was. Ray did. Here is yeah. exactly what Ray did to Mendenhall. He shattered his <laughs> – his, um, 
his shoulder blade behind him by hitting him in front of him. He hit him so hard, it pushed his shoulder back into his shoulder blade and shattered it. The, you know what? Came out of joint and shattered the soul. That's insane. That is, that is how hard Ray Lewis hit. I'm telling you right now, man, I remember that week leading up to that game. I remember Mendenhall talking trash, and he had yes, said some right. stuff about our defense. And it's not like they put a target on the kid or anything like that. But it's like you can't it's talk crap about either way. I mean, yeah, you can't. Front, yeah, you can't off. talk crap about a defense like that. No. You know. And I remember when Ray hit him, and they told me they broke his collarbone. I was like, "What? <laughs> they broke his collarbone? <laughs> oh my! Yeah. What? They broke his collarbone? It dog? broke like, everything. You, it broke you gotta, everything. You gotta be freaking. Sh- I'm like, you, this right. don't even make sense, bro. Like, I mean, you gotta don't disrespect this dude, bro. Like this right. man, this man is playing. He's been he's being nice when he hits you yeah. most of the time. Well, you know? and that, I was I never call, I would never want. I mean, I saw him play countless games against the Steelers. Never yeah. once would I ever call Ray Lewis a dirty player. Right. He just he yeah. was like Harrison. He tried to hit you as hard as he could. And then right. most most of the There's time, though, I'm telling you right now, if yeah. you didn't piss Ray off, he yeah. was a wrestler in high school. So if you didn't piss him off, he's just gonna tackle you. Yeah, he's just gonna come up and just wrap you up and, and tie you up like hog you know. tie you and get you yeah. to the ground. He never gonna <laughs> miss a tackle, right? Right, you right. know, but if you piss him off, you get Eddie George games. You wow. get that game against Mendenhall. Right. You know, you right. get those right. Jerome Bettis games where you know right. where he get where he just smashing, just hitting people. You you could hear it yep. up in the stands, he hitting you so hard. Yep. But most of the time, it's not like that. You know, yeah. it's not like that. He he really just goes up and he just make tackle after tackle after tackle after tackle after tackle after tackle after, after yeah. tackle. And then when you get those games where you piss these guys off, that's when you unleash the freaking machine that they truly are. And that's what happened that week against Pittsburgh, you know. And, uh, and and it's like that across the league. Pittsburgh defense was the exact same, you know. Ed Reed got hurt playing against you guys. You know, Hines yeah. Ward hit him. And yes. he, Ed Reed played with a neck injury for like the last six, seven years of his career because oh, of Hines Ward. Wow. You know, because of Hines Ward. And still deals with yeah. that injury today. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So it's yeah. like, you know, those the, the Willis McGay he hit with Ryan Clark in the playoff. I mean, my right. that, that AFC Championship game, my last game in Baltimore. That yeah. hit right there, shh, yeah. man. Willis was in the club the other night, still thinking about that hit. Somebody walked up from the left side. He was like, "Whoa, watch out!" Oh, God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, it was some bone crushing hits against against the Steelers and the Ravens. Man, this right. week is one of the this 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 week to me is where NFL football has been based on. Even as a childhood watching Mean Joe Green play right. and those those Coca Cola commercials made me want to go drink Coke, you know, because <laughs> Mean Joe Green and the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. But that right. to me, this is what real Smash Mouth tough as football is about yeah. Pittsburgh Raven week. This is, this is the week. And that's what I'm expecting to see this week, because like you're saying, you've got a new quarterback. We've got a new quarterback. There's going to be a lot of ground game. There's going to be a lot of line our guys up against your guys and hit each other at the line of scrimmage as hard as we can and try to move that football down the best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're at least talking about too the, your defense not being able to stop the long plays. This is a good game for you. Yeah. Because the Steelers are not very good at getting the ball downfield. Yeah, I heard I mean, that. We we just had had our first fifty yard play, and it honestly it was a twenty yard out that was a missed tackle that you know Fryer threw him to the ground and ran for another thirty some yards. But mm-hmm. you know we are not getting that ball down the field yet. We are, have not you know taken the the lid off of George Pickens yet to see what he is down the field yet. Yeah, um, and that's this kind of stuff where I'm where Steeler fans are still kind of waiting. And, and trying to figure out why aren't the Steelers trying to throw these one-on-one balls to Pickens. Yeah, I understand when he's bracketed, don't put that ball up. Right. But if he's one-on-one, I think right. every situation now, you should be like, 
let's try to throw the ball up and see what he does. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a pretty phenomenal receiver. I mean, I watched him play right. here at Georgia, and he, the kid oh, can ball, man. He can freaking yeah. ball. And and I I think what you what you're seeing right now is that you have a young quarterback. You don't want to put him in a situation. And I I seen this with Joe Flacco. My my hit my last season right in Baltimore. You know, when he came in, we we basically started off with a very, very small playbook. What is what is Joe right. really good at, right? right? What is he really good at? And that you got to do the same thing with your your QB right now too as well. And right. you you basically spoon feed him every week a couple more plays and a couple mm-hmm. more plays. But you put him in a situation where he could be safe because too many picks right now for a young rookie quarterback will ruin his confidence. Right. And you have to be able to nurse confidence when it comes to – players especially quarterbacks you don't want them to come out and have a horrible year and everybody started talking about how bad they are aka a baker mayfield right? right as soon as people start getting their stuff about he's he sucks at this he sucks at that and you you start to hear all this stuff from social media all this stuff from the media and, it's, and it and it weighs really 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 heavy on you you have to deal with that emotionally and mentally as tough as we are you know we're still human you know so it's like you tell a pretty girl she's ugly long enough she'll start to believe she's ugly <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So it's the same right. thing with these quarterbacks. You tell them that they sorry enough or they suck enough, then they're gonna start to think they 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 suck. You know, right. so you have to be smart with how you, you work these guys in. And you know, if not getting the ball down the field right now is safer for that kid, then yeah. you don't get the ball down the field and then you 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 wait till it develops and open up, get the ball to your playmakers really, really quick, get the ball out of his hands so we don't take a lot of hits, and yes. then allow him to develop as a QB as he get more and more comfortable, he'll tell you. I'm ready to take that shot, bro. Right, I right. want to throw the that's, ball deep. Yeah, yeah, that's a great call. And that's yeah. just something that we saw early in Kenny Pickett's development. A lot of interceptions right. early. He threw seven and up before the bye week. But since since the bye, last four weeks, the Steelers have not turned the ball over once. And right. that is a record for Pittsburgh Steeler football, which is just a crazy stat. Um, so we, we, hope, we've had we, some... we hope they don't keep that going this week. <laughs> I'm hoping for one more week because this, yeah, this is nah, the type nah, of me. team. You nah, turn the ball need, over against the Ravens. It it is it's over. Yeah, yeah we need those yeah. turnovers. Go ahead and right. give it up to us, Pickett. That's how they started winning Super Bowls <laughs> back in two thousand. I mean, that's exactly. they didn't have an offense. They they had a great Straight returner. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jermaine Lewis there. We're giving you a short yep. field. Yeah, the the defense getting turnovers, putting the offense on the sh- short field. And you had Stover, of course, uh, mm-hmm. giving you guys all, all the points Matt you needed to win Stover. games. <laughs> right, man. Oh, you guys have always been big on kickers. There, Justin now being just like the best Tucker, I've ever yeah. seen. I mean, yeah, that he's guy, phenomenal, man. You're at midfield. You've got three points. That, yeah, you, that you're is right. Sick. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Sick weapon to have. It is um, a sick weapon. The sad part is about it. We don't mm-hmm. we don't use them enough. You know, yeah. that's the sad part about it. I would never take the ball off that kid's foot. Yeah. Every I, opportunity I, I, I get to get him a field goal, I'm getting it for him. Right. Right. Uh, we got a question here live coming from Miles Presgrave. He wants to know, Wilcox, what was your favorite memory in the NFL on and off the field? My favorite memory in the NFL on and off the field. Okay, I w- if I had to say on the field, it was probably winning the Super Bowl in Tampa just because oh, that's God. the only time I got a chance to go to a Super Bowl my entire yeah. career, all nine seasons. And just where, where being was able that to see- Super Bowl played to? It was, it was in San Diego. We played against oh, the Oakland Raiders. Jerry Rice, yeah. I always idolized as a kid. So I got we got a chance to beat Jerry Rice and Tim Brown in San Diego, yeah. Raiders versus Bucks. And um, I was playing with so many historical Hall of Famers that game, you know, you know, the Jerry Rice's, the Tim Brown's, the John Lynch's, the Mike right. Allstott's, huh. the Simeon Rice's, the Warren Saps, the Derrick Brooks. You know, it was just so many great, phenomenal players just to be a part of that Super Bowl. I just felt like was amazing, amazing experience for me that that confetti dropped and 
and oh, just oh, just yeah. knowing, oh my God, we just won a freaking <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> you awesome. know, it's just you can't it, you can't believe it, man. You can't believe yeah. it. And then I say off the field, it actually happened on the field as well for me. Um, me and my wife got married at MIT Bank Stadium in 2008. Mm. And um, we got married on the 50-yard line, and it was it was a wedding that felt like we was on a beach somewhere. But it felt like my football has been a part of my life since I was five years old. And um, that was one of the, the things I think that stood out most to me um, in my career. You know, I, even though I was dressed in a tuxedo and all white, and I was marrying a, a beautiful woman and yep. a woman that I cared tremendously about, you know, it happened somewhere that I fell in love with early on in life. You know, I didn't meet her till I was what 29 or something like that. Wow. But I yeah. fell in love with football at five. Yeah. And um, so so to, to be like my first love and me marrying my second love, mm. you know, on with my first love there, you know, present was kind of right. kind of special for me. And you know, the Ravens was was the place I felt like I really developed as a NFL football player the most. So that field, MT Bank Stadium has a special place in my heart. You know, so if I had to say on and off, I'll say those two things. And I'm only giving the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is props because it's the Super Bowl. You know, right. there were so many moments, man. So mm. many. I remember my first touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles was a great moment for me. The first time the Ravens called me out as a starter right. was a special moment for me. Me coming out of the, out of the smoke, out of the tunnel. Yeah. It, was, it was very nostalgic, <laughs> man. It was just so nostalgic. Like you dream about that as a child. Like, you you know, coming out of the tunnel in high school is nothing like coming out of the tunnel in the pros. You know, yeah. coming out of the tunnel in college, they try to make it special, but it's nothing like coming out in the pros. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, it's such a nostalgic feeling to be able to be a part of something that special. Um, yeah. The first time I seen Ray come out with his freaking hot in the here dance. solo, <laughs> they hit the swirl. <laughs> There's hit nothing the swirl, like coming man. out of the tunnel yeah. like a Ray Lewis tunnel. Man, he, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, you, and you hear that Nelly song drop, oh, <laughs> Yeah. And you know, it's just, yeah. it's such a, you know, it's such a special moment. It yeah, it's oh. just, they eat it up, man. It's like some off a television movie or something. It, right. It's like you sit in prime time in freaking IMAX theater watching right. this thing live in IMAX and you actually getting a chance to see it live in person, you know, and it's such a special moment, man. It's such a, it's such a like miraculous thing. Like, I think the first time you ever see Ray Lewis do his intro, you're watching him. The, the next hundred times you see it, you're watching the other team. <laughs> that's how crazy it is right like you you would think like everybody like looking at ray i'm looking right. at the other team they all all them over there like what the heck yeah right I've never seen nothing like it it's like some stuff you've seen off a movie man it, it don't even right. seem real sometimes and the ravens just did a phenomenal job at playing into that stuff and and i think it made for a great atmosphere in, in the city of baltimore yeah. charm city and it's a lot like the rugby over in New Zealand with the All Blacks when they come out and they do their their uh, Simone routine for the dance and before I mean that that gets that gets you yeah, fired and it intimidates it the other team. It's like Ray Lewis brought that to the NFL. Yeah, we had we had Haloti and we had um yeah um my boy Edwin Edwin Muatalo. You know we had all those guys right. and they did it for us. Uh, you know in Baltimore yep. too. It's pretty it's oh, pretty it's pretty awesome, man. It's phenomenal. Is. It's phenomenal. And I, I got a quick question too, since you yeah. you mentioned being on that. Uh, 2002 Super Bowl championship team uh, in Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. You also had another coach over there and coach Mike Tomlin. So what was your experience with coach Tomlin over there when you were a Tampa Bay Buck? I love Mike, man. Like I, I came to Tampa because of um, Rich Basachi, who's the interim head coach in, in Las Vegas for a little while when John Gruden got let go. You know, yeah. uh, Rich Basachi recruited me from, from New York to come to Tampa. And um, okay. when I got down there, you know, Mike was just so 
chill, man. He was just one of those cool coaches on the staff. He was the linebackers coach at the time. He was coaching Derek Brooks, Shelton Quarles, Nate Webster, Al Singleton. He had a great group of guys, and they phenomenal. You know, they invented that Tampa 2 defense down there, and Tumlin was a huge part of why that was so successful. You know, I watched Derrick Brooks pick off pick after pick after pick after pick right. and return them for touchdowns that Jeez, year. Yeah. And uh, Mike Tumlin was a huge part of that, man. That one in know, the Super Bowl, too, didn't he? Yeah, he got a pick six yeah. in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I thought he, then, yeah, I think he was remembering right, yeah. And he looked over to the other sideline and told him they need to find out who their track coach is because I know who mine is. You know, I remember Derrick Brooks saying that coming back up the sideline. They need oh, to get a new track coach, baby, because he took off with that thing, bro. <laughs> but Mike Tumlin, man, he was he just a, he's just such a, a, a special guy. And I think what always impresses me about really good coaches, and I, 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 I experienced the same thing with Dan Quinn in, in Atlanta with the Falcons when I went and did an internship with them for a little while. They get to know exactly who you are right away. They remember your name the first time they meet you. And it yeah. becomes almost like a photographic thing. It's a memory thing. Like, I don't, it don't matter where I've met Mike at since i left tampa i was only there for one year and since i left tampa no matter where i meet mike at he wilcox what's up man he come give me a hug the whole nine oh, yards nice. check on me and he's a great guy like the last time i seen him was at the um was at the nfl combine back when y'all drafted chase claypool claypool you know i had claypool yeah. down at the recent senior bowl i was his outbreak leader down there oh nice i was working out yep i was i was working i was one of his mentors through the senior bowls and you know and also i was I was kind of double agent kind of a little bit. I was working with the Ravens at the time, kind of slightly, kind of not yet, but I was supposed to be going in that 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 offseason to be a um to be a um a player personnel internship with the Ravens that summer. And then that's how I met Mike at the combine because I was with the Ravens by the time we got to the combine. And right. I looked at um Claypool and I thought he was pretty awesome. But Mike came down on the sideline to watch practice and I'm talking to him on the sideline, I'm talking to John Lynch to my other teammate from Tampa that year. And they both on the sideline. We talking about players and we just talking about life and, and stuff, man. It's just it's such a phenomenal feat, man. You just never know, you know, when you meet people at, at early in your career, you don't know that's gonna be a lifelong you know, right. friend or yeah. lifelong person that you'll be able to talk to and maybe connect with and yeah. at least be able to have conversations with throughout your time in life. And and Mike is one of those guys, man. I saw him at a golf tournament one time. It was same mm-hmm. stuff. He always come up, talk to me, ask me how the family's doing and how I'm oh, doing and great. what am I doing now? And he has a legitimate conversation. And and sometimes it's, it's a little bit of fluff and, and all this stuff because yeah. you don't want to have a real conversation with everybody every time you meet them. But right. he never hesitate to introduce himself and never hesitate to come give me a hug. Never hesitate uh-huh. to say, you know, Wilcox, what's up, man? Great to see you, that type of thing, man. And right. I'm, I've always been impressed with him as a coach. And um, he just he always had a a, a a little bit of sauce in him and a little bit of swag in him that you kind of felt like one day he was going to be bigger than what he was at that moment. And yeah. when he got the job at Pittsburgh, he was a guy that you was happy to see take that leap and happy to get that opportunity. You know, Raheem Morris was on that staff too at the time too. He was down yeah. in Temple. And the same thing with him when he got the head job at Temple and I left. I was like, you gotta be just I've been knowing Raheem since my rookie year in New York with the Jets. He yeah. was in the New York with me, then went to Temple with me. And then um I left Temple and went to Germany and then Baltimore. And then when I got to oh, Baltimore yeah. He got fire. Job. That's right. Yeah. 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 I, that's yeah. why I played with James Harrison. That we was on right. the same uh, yeah, team. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You're yeah. both on the same team there. Yeah. We both was in the same team over in Germany. Yeah. Yep. He got yeah. hurt early in the year that year and then make it through the whole season and end up coming home early. And that's when Pittsburgh was able to snag him out of Baltimore. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. I've been taking you too long. We had a great conversation. This wasn't even like an interview or just going over stats and stuff. I, I love meeting you, Wilcox. I love talking just you too, football Scott. and life with you, man. I, I'll have you on anytime to tell you the truth. Thanks, um, man. So how do you see 
Um, just to finish off, how do you see this game uh, working out? You, th- you think the Ravens are going to win? You think the Steelers are going to win? What are your thoughts? Um, I, I still think it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be it's going to come down to who's going to thug the other team out the most. Right. You know, whether the Ravens are going to out out thug the the, the Steelers or the or Steelers going to out thug the Ravens. I don't know which one is going to be, but I know the Ravens are going to be up for this game. We're going to represent Charm City the way we always do. And I know Steelers are going to come ready to, to represent Steel City the same way, you know. So I, I expect this game to be a really tough and tight game. It may be an all-field goal game. I really honestly don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be hard to keep Mark Andrews out of the end zone. Right. Um, so yeah. I'm, if I had to give a, a prediction, yeah. I, I, would, I won't think it would be more than 18 points scored by any, either team. Yeah. So maybe 18, 14 or somewhere around there. Um, or or by maybe win by one point or a field goal, you know, like last couple of weeks the Ravens. Usually had. the way it comes down to with Steelers yeah. Ravens. <laughs> yeah, man. And um, and, and I know your kicker's back this week too, right? Well, he's back and he's practicing, but he has not been added to the roster yet. So we have he's off of IR. He's in the twenty-one day window. Usually yeah. the Steelers don't pull people off the twenty-one day window until Saturday anyway. So gotcha. we'll have to see if he gets activated on Saturday. If not, Anthony Wright's made. He missed two kicks his first game, and then he's made 10 out of 10 since then. So yeah. we're happy to see him at least continue yeah. and, and get better from there. So we're not as upset. But, of course, we'd rather have Boswell in there. He's the stronger leg. He can kick farther. <clears throat> yeah. But, well, I tell you what, man, that's one of the worst feelings you can have as a player in the, in the NFL. You know, being at 53 or being on that practice squad, right. um, you're kind of – there's always like four or five bubble guys towards the end of that 53 or past that 53. And then before the game – you know, your your director of player personnel, he'll come in or 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 your your player development guy, he'll come in and he'll give you that thumbs up or that thumbs down. And you really literally don't find out you're not playing until after you've went outside and warmed up and did everything you're gonna do out on the field to get the sweat going and the lather going, you know, yeah. to prepare for the game. And then he comes in and gives you that thumb down. You like you put nah. your pants, you put you literally putting your pants on. You like <laughs> all right, take this, take this uh, crap off, you know. So it's all right, <laughs> it's a it's a crazy feeling, man. Like that's not uh, a great feeling to be in, you know. So I, I, I hope he's healthy and I hope he gets the thumbs up this week. You know, right. I always feel like the best games are the best games when you got all your best players. Yeah, you know, I don't want to beat you when you're down. Like last year, we was really, really, really down. It's, right. If you beat right. us last year, that shit don't count, you right. know. But if you come this year and you got we got everybody, you got everybody, and you beat yeah. me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you, that's it. Let's let's go. And, and just so you know, always a thumb up, thumbs up to you, Wilcox. Awesome to have you on the show, my friend. And guys, Thanks, you got to follow him on social media, Twitter at Coach Wilcox, C-O-A-C-H-W-I-L-C-O-X. Instagram, Daniel.Wilcox. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot D-W-I-L-C-O-X. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. My computer's dying, unfortunately, because I wasn't expecting <laughs> to go this long, but loved having you on the show. And I hope Thanks, to have you Greg. back, man. Thanks, Greg. Anytime, man. Thanks. All right. <laughs> all right. Steeler Nation, be sure to come over to SteelerNation.com for all of your Steeler Nation, uh, all, all of your Steeler articles. Check us out on Twitter at Steeler Nation, Instagram and Facebook, SteelerNation.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at, uh, at underscore SN Podcast or follow me, your host, G Striker. On Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, at SN Striker, spelled with a Y. I am your host, G Striker, joining you for another great Steeler Nation podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I will be rooting along with you, as always, along with our good friend, Daniel Wilcox. Go Steelers!